Jouni Luoma of Silo AI. What is DeepRazer? AWS DeepRazer is a world's largest autonomous racing competition. We race with one eighteenth size race caster. It's also name of the AWS environment where machine learning models for these race cars are trained. Welcome to Inference, an AI business podcast by Silo AI. I'm Ville Hurko, co-founder of Silo, and with me today is Jouni Luoma. Jouni is a senior AI engineer at Silo and the Nordic champion of Deep Razor, a globally renowned competition of self-driving virtual vehicles. Racing under the alias Joff, Jouni has taken the podium in various Deep Razor competitions several times in several countries. Joff or Jouni, it's great to have you on board. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. So hopping on to the nuances of DeepRazer, could you elaborate on how the thing functions a little bit more? How does the competition work and what are you competing for? So first of all, um, there's a couple of different competition modes right now. There were physical competitions with the physical 118 size of race car. But nowadays, due to COVID, we have been racing mostly in simulated environment for the last two seasons. These uh, race cars, or if you want to call them in reinforcement learning terms, agents, uh, these are autonomous vehicles which are driving around the racing track. And uh, there has been a different competition modes in the racing. So uh, in the beginning, it was trying to get the fastest lap around the racing track. But nowadays, there's also object avoidance mode. There were obstacles placed around the racetrack and you have to again get the fastest lap around the racetrack but now you have to also avoid the obstacles placed around the track and what is it that you're competing for is there a specific price or is it for fame and glory i think it's mostly fame and glory there are prices too but mostly at least for me it was mostly fun so it was quite uh captivating when i started so um AWS DeepRacer by itself, the environment it's made for um, to learn and get excited about uh, machine learning. You can see see a video stream of the training, so you can see how your car actually starts from making random actions to learn how to drive around a racetrack. So um, at least for me, it was really uh, almost addicting. <laughs> so so in the beginning, I was like looking at the simulation feed to see how the um, car develops its racing skills. And now DeepRazer over the past few years has built quite the reputation. So I suppose almost everyone who's working on machine learning um, knows about the DeepRazer concept and many have partaken. But if we talk about in terms of machine learning itself, what is being studied in DeepRazer? DeepRazer is based on um, reinforcement learning. In reinforcement learning, um, you could say this car learns to drive by trial and error, so it learns to drive by itself. So training of these machine learning models, it happens in a simulated environment, where in the beginning, the car just to start make random actions. And in DeepRacer, the developer provides a rewarding incentive for the car. So the developer decides how the car is rewarded on different kinds of actions. And when the car makes a good action, 
it gets more rewards. And in a sense, reinforcement learning is something that, well, as the name says, you try to reinforce some kind of a, let's say, good behavior or disincentivize some uh, unwanted behavior. And Ka um, tries to go around the track thousands of times during the training. So uh, you start all over again. It makes in the first 10 different actions in a row and then it crashes. And little by little, it learns to use better actions to get farther on the track, to get faster around the track, and so on. And having a virtual racing competition is fun in games, and it's good fun to find out who's the toughest reinforcement learning wrangler out there. But in this case, there are some real-world implications as well. So could you talk about your point of view? Like, What are the real-world implications of DeepRacer? DeepRacer environment in itself, it's more like gamified environment for learning, machine learning. You learn about robotics and autonomous vehicles. You learn about the cloud environments and things like that. So yeah, when you try to get better, you have some kind of goal there. So in a sense, it's mostly learning environment, but um, get the idea of, how, let's say, how to, how autonomous robots work or autonomous vehicles work. So you have some kind of... a autonomous vehicle which has a sensor inputs so it senses the world around it and it transfers these sensor inputs to some kind of actions so what should i do next so uh for example in case of deep racer the actions are quite limited so it's mostly controlling uh, the steering angle and the speed of the car if you think like a real autonomous vehicle this lots of different 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 layers on top of these but basic principle is the same so uh, you sense the environment and you make some kind of actions based on what you sense from the environment one other concept comes to mind so quite often real life autonomous vehicles are also trained in a simulated environment for example with a digital twin so this is the simulation to reality or simulation to real transfer because uh well we were racing with uh physical cars but uh, machine learning models were trained and are always trained in a depressive case are trained in a simulated environment and uh well once you take the model out of the simulation um you might get different effects on the real real racetrack so um your model makes up, let's say, different actions that you would anticipate because lighting conditions may be different. Uh, there are somewhat, uh, somewhat different camera images in the real environment. So, so there might be people walking back on the background and things like that. So uh, uh, you had to learn how to cope with these kind of differences. So, uh, so it, in the beginning, actually, it was really easy. I was wondering that that uh, when I went to Stockholm 2019 for my first physical race, I was training models for that competition. And uh, I had, uh, let's say, really good models performing really well in the simulated environment. And those didn't succeed at the racetrack at all. So they were really bad on the racetrack. And well, of course, I realized that, okay, these are really overfit to the simulated environment. So actually I took a, like a checkpoint from one training that was really early on, taken really early on on the training. And it was way much better than this uh, 
checkpoint that was uh, trained for a long time in the civil simulated environment. So you really saw this uh, difference that uh, it's easy to overfit uh, fit your model to the simulated environment, and you need some kind of regularization or generalization capability for the model to actually succeed in the physical race. That's really interesting. And I suppose when people talk about digital twins, or in this case, simulations, they are typically referring to like a virtual representation for debugging and preliminary problem testing scenarios. But for some reason, I think like outside of automotive and like perhaps heavy industry, I'd argue that digital twins and simulations are not necessarily commonly perceived as these kinds of autonomy enabling pre-training platforms like you're using in DeepRazor. Like, for example, if we think about the construction industry, for example, building building information models or BIMs, with those an apartment building in Finland is digitally modeled down to each and every screw before any of the construction work actually begins. So there's a lot of high fidelity data available across these industrial use cases that could be potentially used for training, for example, in generative models, like in this case. So scaling out scenarios like these would be really interesting to see. But it sounds like DeepRazor is a really interesting parallel and introduction to this kind of thinking, because what you're essentially displaying is that without a virtual representation, it's basically impossible even for a race car, a physical device to receive a sufficient amount of training data to be able to operate autonomously. So what you need to start off with is the physical premise. You need to train it as far as it can go and then gradually start augmenting that with the actual physical implementations of the car itself. So for a lot of people working in autonomy, DeepRazor is probably a really natural point of entry into that space. And Yoni, we're starting to reach the end part of the episode. And as is customary with inference, we'd love to get you to predict the future. So I'd love to ask you about how you perceive the future of these simulations in terms of machine learning or digital twins, if you will. So how do you see kind of the role of these simulations developing in terms of machine learning development in the future? So naturally, um, if you're doing some kind of reinforcement learning, you will use simulators. But besides reinforcement learning, uh, I think there's growing interest in simulations in other fields of uh, machine learning as well. For example, um, I saw, I think it was a Tesla AI day two months ago, they were training uh, some of their cars in a simulated environment. So it's quite high definition game engine that they were running to use the simulation. And there were good examples that simulation helps, for example, in situations that if you have a like labeling in these image, images and in situations where acquiring the data is either costly or almost impossible. So let's say some rare occasions happening, something you cannot stage in real life, but you know that, okay, let's say accidents or something or some something like um, you don't go in real life and push people in front of cars or something like that. So you have to like uh, learn these kind of actions or these kind of things in simulated environments. Other good use for simulation was that uh, in simulated environment, uh, you get like a perfect labels for the data because in real life environments, uh, you may have uh, lots of different objects in the image. And if someone is labeling them manually, it's really 
hard work and uh, it's prone to errors. But uh, with simulated environment, you know where the objects are in the simulated space. So you will have perfect labels. You know which object is blocked by another object in the image and so on. So these kind of things help developing uh, better models later on. And if you look simulated images, you can change the lighting conditions, maybe different kind of weather conditions to make these kind of things. Of course, there will be a simulation to real gap there as well. But as I said, uh, there's lots of research going on on that topic nowadays. So how to uh, make these kind of, let's say, transfers from the simulated environments to the real environments. And of course, you can use this uh, real environment images and feeds uh, together with the simulated simulated ones to get better models, get more robust and general models. And with that, Jouni, thank you so much for coming on Inference and talking about the Deep Razor. Um, we wish you the best of luck for the finals of this year, which will be taking place from mid-November to mid-ish December. Now, unfortunately, those finals will not be taking place in Las Vegas as they would in pre-COVID times, but as for the virtual race, we'll keep our fingers crossed regardless. And for anyone who's uh, keen on taking a bit of a deeper peek on the nuances of Deep Razor, please don't hesitate to Google it out or reach out to Silo to get Yoni's guidance on the matter. And with that, Yoni, once more, thank you for coming on. And for anyone listening, have a great day.